uh, that voice right there. Is there some way to turn off the voice prompting? I believe there is somewhere under the settings, um, or it might be in the channel controls. I, um, I, actually, it's, it's just recently I've started using the TeamSpeak 3 client. I know there's a way to do it on TeamSpeak 2. I, I bet it's under settings on this one. Well, I'll tell you what, um, if I could ask you, please, maybe you could probe around a little bit, and I might be able to do it. I may be the only one able to do it as the systems admin for this. I was able to do it this afternoon on the Mac client, but um, I think it might be specific to a session. Okay, well, let's start it a little bit. Um, since there's no other... Uh, um, User disconnected from your channel. Since there's no other suggestions, why don't we start talking a little bit about uh, RF power measurements for QR peers? And Joe, I'm going to toss this over to you in just a moment here. But uh, um, we're going to speak about uh, some items that are kind of common amongst us all here in use of power meters and SWR meters, um, and specifically low-power ones that are that give you some, uh, something more than perhaps just relative uh, power indication. Um, to kick it off, Joe, can you maybe overview why, maybe the obvious, but... Uh, uh, why is it that it's kind of useful to know the power level that you're operating at? Uh, go ahead, Joe. Sure. <clears throat> well, obviously, uh, those of us in the QRP world want to stay legal with QRP, as uh, hams uh, in general want to stay within their operating power restrictions. Um, particularly for QRPers, we want to keep it at 5 watts or below for CW or digital modes. Um, and watch for single sideband. So it's uh, it's a good uh, good practice to have some means of measuring your transmitter's output power. For the higher power levels, when you're getting up uh, to several watts, it can be done with a diode detector and uh, a DC meter once you've calibrated it. But uh, it is a convenience to have some sort of meter, uh, either a home meter or a commercial meter. They can be calibrated accurately so you know uh, what the power is. And along with that, um, when I'm speaking of power just in general, it's forward power. It's power coming out of the rig going to your antenna. Um, similarly, um, most of the uh, most common power meters uh, used to monitor your transmitter uh, also have a reverse power section. So knowing the reverse and the, uh, the forward and the reverse power and how best WRS uh, number of devices I can measure some, I can mention some. To do this, uh, that the QRP is used. Uh, another thing to do is uh, if, you're up, if you're working on the bench with filters or power amplifiers or, or other devices, uh, there are times when you want to measure lower power levels to some degree of accuracy. So then you want to have what, uh, what I call a lab grade or a power meter. We can talk more about them later, but those are the general categories. And there are devices that are available for the hands, not only fairly cheaply to do both these uh, things. Um, different times you want to use different things. When you're going out to the field, you don't have to, uh, <coughs> to within a tenth of a watt what you're doing. <coughs> it's probably enough to know a little water to. But uh, when you're trying to measure a filter, for example, on the bench, you want to know uh, how much power loss you're getting in that filter. Or if you're measuring a piece of coax, it'd be nice to match the loss you get in the coax. 
see one of the more sophisticated pioneers. That's uh, a very broad overview. <clears throat> and by the way, George, if you can assist me a little bit, I've tried to enter text in that text screen at the bottom. <clears throat> and keep telling me I don't have permission to do it. How the devil do I set that permission? How do you set the permission? I don't know. You were able to do it before. You just have to be absolutely certain that you're uh, that you selected the NJQRP tab online. I see along the bottom an open HPSDR server tab. I see an NJQRP tab, and I see an NJN2JG iPad. I don't know how he gets his uh, up there, other than maybe he posted a message. But if you select the NJQRP tab, you should be able to uh, post the text. Okay, Joe, thanks for the uh, the overview there, the, the quick one. Uh, bottom line is that there's relative power measurements and absolute power measurements. There's places for both of them. Here's an example of uh, of where I'm, I'm... Let's do it this way. The absolute power measurement is pretty obvious. You want to find out exactly what level... Exactly what... Uh, um, power level that you're transmitting at, and that can be useful uh, very specifically for feeding, knowing what you're feeding into other equipment, um, or knowing which power level is uh, if you want to be adjusting it to a certain level for contest operation, for example. Relative power indication, however, is um, a lot looser, and um, here's a bit of an indication of, of how I'm using it, at least in the, in the SDR cube. We're working on a... Um, we're working on a uh, a power um, an RF power amplifier um, for the uh, SDR cube, and it utilizes the penny whistle power amp, uh, twenty watt RF amplifier from from Tapper. Um, I'm cuddling it with an LPF, and an onboard or an on on um, on the front panel is a set of LEDs that indicate the relative power indications. There's an adjustment that puts a full scale or all LEDs around equal to the 20 watt being transmitted or so, and then it uh, provides a pretty good indication of power that's being transmitted when your voice energy is going out. You see the blue, nice blue LEDs bouncing. And similarly, you can adjust, if you wish, the cube or any other QRP transmitter um, uh, input level to, of course, affect the output power that's being generated. And you can see the relative power as, um, say, a pitch of the number of blue LEDs that are on uh, being transmitted. So it's kind of a useful thing um, in, in numerous applications. I also had, gosh, there was an article I did ages ago uh, called the Warbler Power Meter or Warbler Deluxe or something. Similar concept, relative power indication for, in this case, uh, uh, transmission of uh, digital messages and uh, PSK, um, PSK digital mode. Um, um what are some of the, I guess, toss this open to the field. What are some of the uh, different power meters that we've had experience at? And um, let's just get a list of the ones that, you know, are available in kit form or, um, you know, ready assembled uh, form from Melacraft or other uh, commercial, uh, commercial ones. Uh, anybody have some good experience with some of these? I have the Melacraft, uh, George, and I, I did send you a direct text message. I think, Jerry, I got, uh, we'll, we'll come back to you in a moment to talk about the other craft. Any other uh, experience with uh, power meters? Good. George, I'll, uh, I'll say a few words here if you like. Yep, go ahead. 
Yeah, thanks very much. Um, good introduction on uh, uh, the, the basic uh, uh, challenges and the things that we're trying to mention. First, I'll, I'll start with what you mentioned last, uh, uh, George. You mentioned the uh, the, the warbler uh, power meter. Well, I, I once built an 80-meter warbler, and I used as a relative power indicator on that. Uh, it was actually a, a pre-built uh, LED bar graph module that I found that incorporated the, uh, the LM3914 uh, bar graph generator. Um, I believe it was the logarithmic one. There was one that was linear, one that was logarithmic, the 3914, the 3915, I believe. But anyway, it gave a nice uh, 10 LED readout, and I just built a very simple diode detector and voltage divider off the uh, the RF output of the warbler. So as I adjusted the audio levels in, I could see as the, uh, the output level increased uh, and then would increase no more, and I knew to back off you know, a little bit below that in order to uh, to stay linear. And uh, that worked very, very well to uh, integrate into a simple project like that. Uh, but as far as uh, the uh, the power meters, I noticed somebody mentioned the uh, the venerable uh, WM2. I think a lot of us probably have that uh, uh, from uh, Oak Hill's research. I have one sitting here Please on the bench, the and uh, that works very well. Um, for the, uh, the relative power mention, Measurements, as uh, for instance, you and Joe mentioned, uh, measuring the loss through a, a filter or the gain through an amplifier stage. I've used a couple of different things. I have the uh, the uh, the microwatt or the milliwatt power level uh, meter from uh, Kanga US that was designed by KA7EXM, and similar product from MQ. Universal frequency counter and power meter that used the same uh, IC as the uh, the power detector chip, and these are very powerful instruments that allow you to measure down uh, to uh, minus 70 dBm. That is 70 dB below one milliwatt, up to uh, a little bit beyond one milliwatt. And you think, well, geez, that's that's awfully. How is that really uh, usable? And I know you're going to talk about uh, the 40 dB power taps later. But uh, when used with a power tap, you can measure right up to the output of a 100-watt amplifier or the, uh, uh, the, the loss through a uh, filter that's only being fed with uh, 1 to 10 milliwatts or something like that. So I'm sure you're going to touch on some of those uh, possibilities. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the kit is available any longer from Kanga, and I know M-Cubed went out of business recently, so I'm not sure if they're a commercial product currently available that are analogous to these two. Uh, but one of these uh, microwatt meters are actually a very powerful tool to have on your bench if you do some home brewing. So uh, I'll just toss that out there as something that's usable. While we're on the subject of discontinued X, <laughs> I've got the LP200 from uh, N8LP, Larry Phipps, and that was a very interesting uh, integrated power meter and uh, dummy load that he designed and uh, sold on a limited basis, and I found that to be a very, very accurate uh, meter all the way from uh, the milliwatt level up to uh, uh, 50 watts or so. So anyway, I'll get off the uh, soapbox and uh, pass it back to you there, George, with just a couple of uh, little sprinklings of uh, things that I've worked with in the past. Go ahead. Thanks, Bruce. That was a great, uh, great overview of items. In fact, I didn't even, you know, I had heard about the N8LP uh uh, device, um, but I never really ever had a chance to look at it. Um, I knew about M-Cubed. Heck, they've been in um, QST or QDX a couple of times with some of their stuff. Um, I'm sorry to hear that they went out of business. I didn't know that. 
I personally have the KA7 uh, EXM, and as does Joe. In fact, we kind of built ours together, and we use it for various projects here at the bench. I'm looking at it right now. It's an awesome device. It's a, um, I don't know if uh, Bill Kelsey or Ken US has these anymore, but um, it, it's really quite uh, a dandy device. I had WM2 before. Um, like a fool, I gave it away or something. Um, and strangely enough, popping the stack all the way to your LM3914, that is exactly the, the that, that, I remember now it was a Ron Skelton. Um, I forgot who that Hey, Larry W2LJ, you, I bet you that you're using, uh, Vox and when you're listening, it's tripping your turn on. Could you please go to uh, ETT control or something? Um, so that was just an aside. And, and that reminds me, by the way, if there's ever anybody who's having trouble and causing QRM intentionally or unintentionally, I'll have the ability to, to kind of drop them the, uh, from the group. Um, and then we can address things offline. So uh, if there's any intentional or unintentional kind of, kind of QRM, we've got that ability. Okay. Um, you're not using Vox, huh, Larry? I, I see your text message. I'm not sure either. But you start, but you transmit occasionally. So maybe you selected a key on your keyboard. If you're typing some other message or using PowerPoint or your email, that might be a tricking, a triggering it. So that, that could be happening while you're typing, as Bill just said. So, um, so that's a good overview on the, on the power meters there. Um, uh, Jerry, I wanted to come back to you. You had mentioned Elecraft, and I'm not familiar with what they have. Uh, can you give us a brief um, update on that one? Uh, Jerry, go ahead. Okay, I have to uh, unmute the microphone first. I'm a little rusty here. I just, uh, just to install this on the, um, on the iPad. And I don't quite know how to work it yet. So, uh, anyway, hello, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Jerry and to GJ. And, um, I, uh, I have the, uh, Elecraft, uh, W1, it's called. And it's a, um, an RF power meter. It's also an SWR meter. You can use it with any, uh, transmitter anywhere from QRP levels up to 140 watts. And it covers, uh, 1.8 to 30 megahertz. And the reason I got it was because it can go down to um, uh, to some very very low levels, and um, uh, it also uh, only draws a very little amount of, of uh, power. It's like a power button idle battery, and I think it's like 10 milliamps on idle and maybe 30 with uh, all 10 of the LEDs that are on it uh, illuminated. And uh, I got it because I wanted to uh, measure. Um, very low uh, output power from my flex uh, running in WSPR mode, whisper mode, and um, and so uh, I got got this uh, kit, and I took a, a look at it, and I decided that I didn't really want to build it. <laughs> so I got my friend Alan W2AEW to build it, and uh, it works real. Uh, it, it would be nice if uh, you know it was enclosed in a, in a fancy package, you know, and things like that. In the box, but it's not. It's just a just a circuit board, but uh, it does work well and uh, as advertised. And I don't remember what I paid for it, but I don't think it was you know 
hugely expensive. But um, you know, there's there's definitely a market for something like that. Um, so over to you. Uh, this is N2GJ. Good evening, everybody. I'm business, Jerry. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the info on the Elecraft item. Um, one of the things that that can be useful from a forum such as this, as what happens at a at a normal in person meeting, is that we all get a chance to see or hear about other people that are using other kinds of products or other items or other kits or other homebrew techniques, and you get a chance to do it yourself. And another kind of parenthetical aside is that what we're talking about here during each evening is going to be each um, each uh, of the New Jersey Club sessions is going to be recapped in a web stage, sort of a blog-like type of thing if I can get it set up right, but uh, to capture the different topics that we have here, um, and of course, the uh, power meter topic will be a good one. And if if you heard a discussion point about something that maybe interests <clears throat> and you didn't catch it um, and whatever, you'll be able to kind of go back to uh, the New Jersey Club pages and see what happened, uh, uh, find the references to that link and so on. Um, Joe, you had tossed in uh, um, the Noga Watt. I, I actually built that. I have that. I used it for a while. It's uh, I kind of enjoyed it. It was made out of a PCB uh, PCB material enclosure, uh, two El Chupo meters, but they turned out to be good enough. And uh, the typical types of uh, detector and uh, adjustments on the inside. So that was kind of a real fun homebrew project. And I think they made a kit out of it. And that's uh, you know they had plans for making the, uh, the enclosure. Um, along the way with it. Um, has anybody else uh, had a favorable favorable experience with, uh, with power meters? Uh, I have a check if I got it. Yeah, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, good evening, everyone. I jumped in here a little bit late, got company, so I may have missed the uh, first couple of minutes of it, but uh, I have several of them, and... Uh, um, I'm using my iPod Touch 4 and running around. Um, one of the ones that was, was my favorite was um, KD1JV uh, digital watt meter with a um, dummy load built onto it. So uh, uh, it was a, I forgot the exact power it started at, but it was very low. It went up to about 10, 10 or 12 watts. And it was a very nice device. That, that I have now that goes down to like, I think it's one milliwatt up to 25 watts. And it's currently available in a kit. Uh, it's a um, microwatt meter from the uh, Austin guys. Uh, I guess he's putting out the, the kit. K5BCQ, I believe it was. Uh, it's really a, a really outstanding microwatt meter kit. Uh, and they, they put out several kits. They're fantastic. But um, kind of the LCD display, uh, power head, um, and you can go to their webpage and check it out. It's currently still available. But um, User joined your channel. those are the, probably the ones that I use the most. Uh, I have a few others, but that's uh, um, popular at George Green. Thanks an awful lot for that, Chuck. Um you had a couple of pearls in there, and um, um, while I'm thinking about it, one of the pearls I discovered was that my local settings 
or the settings that I did to turn that darn voice prompting off is only local. So I think I heard on your on your system. So my guidance to everybody here on the list: if you want to have a a sane, sensible discussion while you're speaking, if you want to keep your thoughts clear while you're speaking, go to the uh, go to the self menu up at the top, and then turn your voice uh, I think you'll find it an awful lot better. Uh, it's in the sound pack if you're on a Windows client. Under the self menu, there's a sound pack sub menu, and then there you see a you can see a menu setting for sounds deactivate. Trust me, it sounds very very good. Don't doubt me. <laughs> okay, um, Chuck, on the um, on your items, uh, really cool about PDJV. I think I had that one. Um, and that, if I'm recalling right, had a, a kind of a, a big resistor, um, a big prolific resistor that was uh, um, built into the end of it. And that's what uh, Steve had used uh, kind of as a reference uh, for it. And the KA5BCQ, that uh, was the AQRP, the OSQRP group, um, we'll definitely get a link up for that group. If you don't belong to the AQRP uh, Yahoo group, Definitely, and, and if you're in the home building, definitely you want to do that. We'll give you a link to that, and it's uh, really, really super device, uh, super um, uh, useful information. They, they're, those guys are, there's hounds on, on home building and different projects, small little projects and low-cost items. They're great, great bunch. Um, last item on, that I wanted to mention here, while you were speaking, Chuck, I, I thought of something that, Joe, you can... Correct me in, with a number in the device, but I use I use a power resistor, um, a three terminal. I think it's a TO TO three pack Joe. Um, it's a monolithic resistor, fifty ohms, and it's thirty five watts, and it's a really handy device. Joe, do you happen to have any more detail on that one? No, I don't have the detail on it, but it is a uh, <coughs> pardon me, it's either a thin film or tech. Oh, thin film or uh, uh, thick film hybrid IC. So that TO220, which looks like one of the plastic power transistors. And um, to get the full dissipation out of it, you uh, put the tab up to a heat sink. The tab is rounded, so you don't have to worry about insulating it. And the, uh, the active leads are done uh, about itself. It does work very well, and, and if you short leads to a connector, it can work well up into the VHF with the very low SWR, good 50 ohm load. Yeah, I'm going to get a link out to there because this is a good, really nice, simple way to get a good QRP dummy load. And if you think of, um, you know, the venerable um, uh, 7805, everybody's used, or uh, the 7812 or the 7805, I think it's a TO3 package. Um and, you know, it's the flat square package with three terminals coming out of the end, the five volt regulator, that's the size. But this is the, it's the same size as this, but it's a 50, it's a precision 50 ohm load up to 35 watts, which you can get in the Um, it's, it's great for when you want to measure power, you put your, uh, um, you put your rig to this 50 ohm, um, uh, uh, because you put your rig RF power into this thing so you have a nice uh, non-reflective uh, uh, or a good good match to measure the power for, uh, to power on. And so that's great. 
Um, Milt, I see you put uh, up the link for um, the uh, kits from Case Talon K5 K5 BCQ. That's right. And, uh, and uh, Link and or uh, uh, Case and uh, John Fisher and yourself and, and some others there in the AQRP are just uh, super good on some of these projects. So you, you'll do well, everybody here, if you want to follow that link. Okay, um, any more on the, uh, any good references on power meters? It's the power meters are kind of like, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, like what, but I mean, everybody's got one. <clears throat> and, uh, or everybody's used one in the past, and you sort of need one to round out your shack, even in the most primitive fashion, uh, to know that you're getting out, how much you're getting out, and this is a good way to do it. So any other good recommendations for power meters? Quickie here, hey, Ryan. Ryan. Whoops. Yeah, um, yes, uh, anatomically speaking, uh, uh, with power meters, everybody has one, and um, if they're not too big, they'll stay. Anyway, um, as far as that KA7EXM uh, power meter uh, goes, it is no longer available as a kit from uh, Kanga US. However, the KA7EXM, who happens to be uh, uh, Wes Hayward's son named Roger um, has a package uh, with the uh, PC boards and uh, pre-programmed uh, pick chip to, uh, to make to roll your own power meter with an article in that SD and PX uh, with the reference uh, for a blog later uh, on building that and uh, very good job uh, coincidentally well, not so coincidentally uh, Kangi US will be offering the uh, uh, W7ZOI analog power meter using one of the uh, AD8307 ubiquitous uh, uh, log detector chips from analog uh, devices. But uh, Kangi US will be offering a kit of that um, at Dayton this year. Uh, is an analog meter. Ironic that uh, the old man, W7ZOI, is still in the analog world. His, his son, K70XM, is a digital world, but uh, that's the way things go. Hey, that's good news. I didn't realize it. Of course, do, you have to, do we have to wait until Dayton all the way next year to have that uh, available, or is it going to be available sooner? I'm sorry. It was it was available at Dayton this year. I, uh, I forgot my calendar. Okay, no problem. So it's probably available now, maybe on the Kanga site? It should be. I, I honestly did not follow up on it. I just saw a, a note that uh, Bill was going to make it available at Dayton and uh, didn't check to see if it was available. I assume that it is, though. Okay, good, good. Um, maybe somebody, if you can look up, I, can, I can't do it while I'm uh, listening and taking notes here, but if somebody can come up with a link for... Um, Kanga US, that'd be a good one to put up to our little uh, chat history here online. Um, other, somebody else had uh, doubled with Joe. Uh, other power meter recommendations? I've got a question. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, one of the uh, <clears throat> few things that our uh, CB brethren have uh, been good for is the fact that there's a lot of inexpensive RF equipment for that area. I was just wondering. Uh, if you get a, an RF meter, either an SWR meter or a power meter, that's designed specifically 
for CB, is there any reason why that can't be used uh, on other frequencies? Yeah, go, uh, Joe, go ahead with that one. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with the current uh, current rash of them. Uh, at one time, they used a um, it was kind of a transmission line reflectometer in there that uh, had a very uh, frequency uh, sensitive uh, uh, characteristic to it. Worked better at high frequencies than low frequencies. So if it was designed to work for five watts at uh, 27 megahertz, it wouldn't work lower in frequency. Um, it may be that they're using a uh, uh, transmission line transformer reflectometer these days, in which case uh, they would probably be uh, quite useful, the QRP on the handbands, although uh, you'd have to check the calibration. I'd love to look into that, and if anybody else uh, is familiar with the current state of affairs of uh, CB power meters, uh, let the group know. Okay. Yeah, if I could. yeah, go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, okay, thanks, George. Now, uh, actually, uh, I haven't had a lot of direct experimental um, uh, experience with the CV power meters, although I do know I've read one or two articles online where people have essentially gutted them and uh, made use of the, uh, the internal uh, panel meter to either uh, make their own uh, using some of the uh, uh, do-it-yourself articles that are on the uh, the web for a more broad-based one that uh, incorporates some of the more standard uh, detection schemes um, or uh, used it uh, to, uh, to uh, house a field strength meter, which is a topic probably for, uh, for another evening. But uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention is that uh, when prowling around ham fests, I used to have one, and I'm trying to remember the exact number. It was the Hewlett Packard. I believe it was the 410C, 410 Charlie, was a microwatt power meter, and it used a, uh, a thermocouple detector in the head for measuring extremely low power um, levels, and uh, again, with a, uh, with a 40 dB or power tap or other type of attenuator in front can measure. Interesting. Um, I did not. I had not heard about that before. Although I had heard of the thermocouple technique for measuring low power or any power. Um, Jim Dixo is not here. I think, unfortunately, Jim is a kind of a resident uh, expert in the New Jersey club with respect to some of the uh, bird and uh, other HP equipment that uh, might be around. Does anybody have experience or knowledge about the HP four ten C? Affirmative. Uh, I just put the text in there. 410C is a VTVM. She had a voltage probe from, I think that the the, uh, the, uh, the Mr. Watt meter, which I happen to have one of, is a 431. Uh, yeah, you're right, Joe. That's right. I was misremembering the uh, the model number. Thank you. So for the record, what was the model number? 431. All right, that'll be something certainly to link to, and maybe even provide some uh, additional information. Um, um, Bruce, do you have any insight as to the thermocouple operations that relate to power um, readings? Well, no, actually, the the power meter system it incorporated a, a heads. Uh, the, the power detection head was separate, and it fed a, if I remember right, a millivoltage reading back to the uh, the meter itself, and uh, um, 
I just remembered that they used a, a thermocouple principle attached to a, uh, a sensitive uh, resistor, I would imagine, for measuring the, uh, the power, and it was uh, rated at 50 watts. And the 50 watts, I'm sorry, 50 ohms. So it would be measuring power into a 50 ohm system, but again, with, with very, very high accuracy, and, and these things can be had for very inexpensive. I think the last one I bought was like $25, but it was uh, certainly laboratory-grade instrumentation. So uh, a little bit of uh, a Google searching on uh, the 431, and I believe the C was was correct, but uh, maybe not. But uh, HP power meter, the 431, I'm sure would get you a wealth of information. And uh, I used that for quite a while before I went to the uh, things like the uh, uh, the the, the uh, K70XM and the MK power meters and so forth, and they worked very, very well. The other thing I just wanted to mention was the power resistors that we were talking about earlier were probably the products made by Caddick, C-A-D-D-O-C-K. They've got a whole line of precision uh, thin film power resistors, uh, including those in the fifth range that people can use for building their own dummy loads, and then tapped off of that, of course, with a diode detector, you can uh, measure quite accurately power levels. Back to you, George. Really, really interesting. I like that. I'm going to look those up myself as well. Joe, do you going to, uh, while we're on the topic of the thermocouples, now, did you, um, I think you explained this to me at one point before. Might be interesting if it was, if I'm correct, and that, uh, the, just the principle on thermal rise relating to power dissipation and how it's measured? Yeah, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Jim, uh, into ADR, looks like you uh, have some knowledge of these. I do too. Why don't you uh, uh, tell us what you know about them, Jim? Go ahead. Maybe it's my time. Jim, I don't know if, you, if you're transmitting, your your voice is not coming through. Um, one more try, and then maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's a problem. Well, it's not been Jim. Um, one of the tricks in setting up TeamSpeak 3, as most of you have found out, is that in the settings, uh, you need to select the right input and output device for what you're using. I happen to be using a, a pretty nifty um, USB headset that, that happened to come with uh, the Rosetta Stone uh, language tutor thingy uh, online. Um, and different kinds of headsets have different drivers that you need to enable to have it work. So you might hear, but you might not speak if your mic isn't set. Um, so, Joe, did you want to um, wait a minute, No. And I uh, go back on the uh, on the text uh, window. Um, why don't you tell us what you know about it, Milt? Well, this goes back many years, but I believe some of the old HP power meters, or they were tied in with a uh, voltmeter, used a bolometer, which is. Uh, I think it's also used in optical stuff for very low power levels, and so some of the extremely low power devices used a bolometer to sense the input power, but uh, that's that's many years ago. I haven't been playing with those for quite a few years. Well, actually, I do know a little bit more. They use a, uh, it is a bolometer of sorts. It's a, a thermistor they use, and uh, what they do is they have, um, they have a balanced setup, they have a bridge. They have a uh, 
a resistive element at 50 ohms that heats one thermistor, and they have another thermistor identical in composition and identical thermally that's fed by uh, a feedback in the, in the power meter itself. And what it does, uh, the, the power meter feeds DC to the, uh, the uh, non-RF uh, energized resistor and matches the uh, as the bridge so that the two thermistors have the same temperature. And thus, they're able to measure the DC and have it equivalent to the uh, input of power level that they can do uh, very, very accurately. The downside is the uh, their power rating is only in the milliwatts. So you have to be very careful with the power head where you'll zap it on that. Yep, it says you need, to be, um, you need to be careful with any kind of a uh, you know, the power, uh, just like Clint Eastwood says, a man's got to know his limitations. Or, or Dirty Harry said that, I think. Uh, you got to know the limitations of the meter system that you're uh, that you're using. If you over overdo it, you're going to smoke something. And speaking of which, at least knowing knowing your dBMs and volts and watts, I have I had for years, and I use it like all the time. I have this really nifty uh, chart. That relates that has four columns in a DBM, V um, RMS voltage, peak to peak voltage, and watts. So at any given time, if someone says uh, you know, 10 DBM signal, I can look at here and I know that that 10 DBM signal is 0.7 uh, volts RMS or two volts peak to peak, and it corresponds to an absolute value of 10 milliwatts, of course, into 50 ohms. So um, this is a chart from the QRP Quarterly, Spring 2003, on page 32. And additionally, years ago, and I don't know if it's ever been um, updated, there was a, uh, Paul Harden had a magnificent work, uh, a publication of all sorts of QRP-related uh, uh, circuits, equations, components, packages, specifications, and such. And in that, was also such a chart. So I'll post this link, um, I'll post this information, and I would really recommend, uh, I would really recommend you getting that, and again, putting it on the wall is a really handy thing to do, especially to keep things straight when you're trying to find out how much power is going into your, your various circuits. Um, other, uh, other power meter uh, recommendations and experiences? Anybody? Uh, Test from Jim. Am I in there yet? Yep, Jim, you are. Go ahead. Okay, I don't really have experience with the resistive power meters. I just wanted to add that they were used a long time ago when microwave equipment or microwave transistors didn't exist because they have potentially an infinite frequency response. Of course, you have to match the resistor to your load, but you can actually run them off of light. Light will make them warm, and they can measure the power. Uh, that's all. Uh, George. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Uh, George, I've, I've used the NorCal uh, power meter. Um, it's uh, getting a lot of the tooth these days. And as uh, Joe mentioned, it's right now, although um, it keeps on going in and out of availability. 
Um, it's it's a little bit slow in response, and it may be that the uh, um, uh, the pick chip uh, that controls the whole um, is uh, not optimized. Uh, the um, software for that is not available apparently uh, from um, uh, NorCal. They they refuse to release it. Um, uh, it's assembled. It's, uh, I, I think it, uh, it could be improved anyway. Uh, it's, it's, it's a uh, very simple uh, uh, using a stop bridge and some uh, op amps, and I'm not sure how how, uh, how good the op amps are, and I'm not sure how, how good the uh, uh, the uh, ADCs in, in the pick chip are. But uh, it's certainly a simple device and relatively cheap, uh, but it's, it is slow in response. No, I'll support, I'll support that, uh, Ken, as far as being a useful device. It's on my bench right now. I use it all the time. Every time I put out a, a, uh, um, an SDR cube, um, I, I go through a full specification, um, using it in as much as I can, and it's within the ballpark and it gives a good enough, uh, reading. Um, but one complaint I have about it, I don't mind the slowness, but the darn, I always leave the power switch on. So I am forever replacing that darned nine volt battery in the in the device. Now Joe sent me over a, a really good circuit, and I have to uh, I still have yet to implement it, but it's a power off circuit um, after a certain amount of time of disuse. Um, if, it, if the power's been on and hasn't been used in a while, I think was the technique, it would turn the power off uh, the DC power off to the meter. But anyways, it's a, the NorCal power meter is indeed something. I've got it packaged. Like, I, I don't mean to keep coming back to the SDR cube, but I mean I'm surrounded by cubes here in the bench, and a lot of my time is focused on it. Um, but I've got a I, I, I've repackaged the NoCal power meter into a cube, just about the right form factor, anyways, four inch by four inch by four inch. But it's really handy, and you can take that and build it into just about anything that you like. So um, that that was something that they came up with, and, and in my opinion, that was a that was a winner. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm uh, packaging my, uh, mine right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, the, I, I think the only other thing that I've noticed is that the uh, it's got four different modes on them, uh, one of them being a uh, CW uh, output for uh, the hearing impaired, uh, or for the uh, sight impaired, and uh, you can't turn it off. Uh, so I uh, am looking into rewriting the software to uh, to get rid of that. Oh, I'm able to, I'm able to turn it off. Um, um, maybe, is that what you mean? Once you turn it on, you can't turn it off? Uh, well, uh, once you get hit that mode, it, it has to go through its whole sequence before you can switch to the next mode. Oh, I see. Okay. Joe, you were going to say something else. Yeah, two, uh, two quick shots here. Um, I'm surprised Bruce didn't hop in because he's the one who designed that uh, power-off circuit, but... Uh, I sent along to you, M1RX. He uh, published it in uh, um, QRP Quarterly. Uh, he used it with his uh, OHR WM, Water W2, WM2 watt meter. The other um, thing is a uh, minor issue, but uh, I'm a nitpicker. The uh, minimum, the maximum resolution of the uh, NorCal power meter is only a tenth of a watt. And uh, as George may recall, when we were trying to do some uh, some uh, testing in the uh, hundreds of milliwatts uh, 
region, that resolution meant that we couldn't get uh, very good accuracy. Uh, it's better at, at higher levels uh, than a watt, uh, but it only resolves to within a tenth of a watt. So if you're reading 100 watts, it'll go from 0 to 0.1 to 0.2, and not anywhere in between. Yep, absolutely right. Um, and I think for that reason, when I really, really want, I, I cannot speak more highly about the uh, the KA7EXM meter. So the fact that the um, that Roger Haywood uh, um, still has the um, still has that in partial kit form, circuit board and program chips is really a recommendation to anybody you know who who can pick up a soldering iron. If you want yourself to have a good, uh, if you want to have a good power meter, just go ahead and buy something off the shelf. That's a that's a really good one. Okay, um, one last round for one last round for any power meters before we move on to the next uh, topic here. Yeah, WB6KWT here. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that the power meter NorCal power meter uh, is still. In stock, uh, I'm on the board of directors for NorCal, but um, it's we're kind of in a in an issue here that we're not providing kits right now. So we still have stock, and we will, as we get our issues squared away, we're going to be selling that uh, that meter again. And uh, thanks a lot for all those uh, comments about it, and uh, we'll see if we can implement any of the of the changes and. The resolution, etc. I'm not a programmer, so I don't know if, if that's possible or not. Bob, you're not a programmer, but you are a home brewer extraordinaire. And thanks a lot for joining us here tonight. I didn't know that you were on. Uh, I guess, I guess, if I recall some of our conversations, I something along that line. But thanks for uh, mentioning that that you were with the NorCal uh, group, and glad to glad to have you here. And it's great news about the NorCal meter power. Um, the, the NorCal power meter uh, continuing onward, so that, that's a good deal. Um, anybody else on power meters? Yeah, George. Go ahead, Bob. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to hear you guys on here. This is pretty neat. I'm uh, very thrilled that I can uh, make a NJQRP meeting like this. And uh, I had the NorCal meter. I really liked it, but I recently sold it when we were downsizing and and uh, moving into the apartment here, but uh, it was a nice meter. Uh, the best thing I liked about it was the analog uh, reflected part of the meter, so when you were tuning, you, you had an analog meter, not a digital, to uh, uh, use while you were, you know, adjusting your antenna tuner or whatever. But uh, that mold switch, and I, I agree with the previous uh, commenter on the uh, various modes. You had to sequence through the various modes. I finally got to the mode I, I liked and I just cut the uh, wire going to the mode switch and left it in that way. And for the 9-volt battery, George, uh, Jackson Harbor, I think, still make a little uh, uh, timer circuit board that you can install it after... Uh, so much time of inactivity why the unit will automatically shut down. It certainly saves a 9-volt battery because even with the uh, OHR WM1 or 2, whatever I got, 9-volt uh, batteries are expensive. Uh, back to you, George. 
<laughs> yes, they are. So I found out as well. That's good. I, I uh, now with armed with uh, uh, Bruce being the original author of the one that was in QQ, I guess it was, and then knowing the Jackson Harbor. Oh, who is it that runs Jackson Harbor? I forgot. Uh, I don't at the moment. Oh, his name is on my tongue. I just can't recall who it was. Uh, um, anyways, uh, I can check with him too. But that's uh, that's a pretty handy thing to have, not just for your power meter, but for uh, maybe some other items in the, around the around the shack. Okay, um, power meter is last uh, last call. Yeah, if I can jump in for a quick second here, George. Sure, Bruce. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much, and and thank you, Joe, for mentioning the um, uh, the simple power, the battery saver circuit, and uh, you know if anybody's really interested in seeing that, if they don't have access to the QRP quarterly, that is published on the uh, on the New England QRP Club's website uh, over on the left hand side. We saved that one permanently under uh, power saver. I think it says something like that. You just go to uh, newenglandqrp.org, O-R-G. You'll be able to find that. And I wanted to mention that because uh, 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 Bob uh, brought up the uh, the unit from Jackson Harbor Press, and I just wanted to point out a couple of things. The unit from Jackson Harbor Press I highly recommend over the very simple circuit that, uh, that I had published uh, for the WM2 watt meter for any circuit that has a microprocessor, or a microcontroller in it, because the uh, the Jackson Harbor um, system and and others uh, of that will snap the voltage very quickly when uh, a capacitor charges to a certain level, and that way you don't run the risk of running a, a microcontroller slowly down in voltage as it passes through a transition point, and that can serve to uh, scramble a double EEPROM. And thereby, uh, you know, some problems with anything with that uh, type of circuitry in it. So anything with a microcontroller, I recommend something that cuts off the uh, the voltage very rapidly once you reach a particular point. The um, the simple circuit that uh, that I published, which you know I can't claim fame. Most of the great things in in life are stolen from other people, and uh, that was something that obviously built on the work of other people. Um, that is good for a simple analog circuitry like the WM2 that doesn't have any kind of microcontroller in it, and it can be built for pennies, basically out of what you have in your junk box. I have uh, purchased and used to advantage the uh, the circuit from Jackson Harbor Press as well. And like you say, George, the guy's uh, call sign escapes me immediately. But anyway, just wanted to toss that out there in case anybody was wondering if the uh, uh, weighing the pros and cons of either or. The one from Jackson Harbor <clears throat> costs a little bit more. I can't remember how much it was. It might be in the uh, $15, $20 price range. Um, but you don't want to use the super simple circuit that I uh, publicized uh, on anything with a microcontroller. Back to you. Thank you, George. Great information, Bruce. Thank you. I, I'm learning so much here tonight, and I thought I was on top of things. Holy mackerel. Dave, WA3UR, you've poked your PTD switch a couple of times. I'm not sure if you had a chance to get uh, your two cents in here, but it's really good to see you in here. It's been ages since uh, we've seen you at the club meeting. Uh, Dave, do you have anything to, to, to add to the group here right now? Not a whole lot on power meter uh, stuff. I did uh, put a note lot uh, together myself one time and uh, worked just fine. Um, not too much on that. Uh, I've been working on 
uh, forever and uh, haven't been able to meet the get the meetings. So, uh, while I'm looking forward to getting to the next one uh, where it's face to face, this will do in the meantime. Oh, indeed. This is so great seeing many of the New Jersey QRP people uh, signing in here. We haven't seen you in, in ages, it seems. And uh, this may be a wonderful way to, to kind of keep in touch with old friends. And, and gosh, we have so many experiences. We can go on for hours. Joe, I could just, you can reminisce on all various activities, outdoor activities, taking down towers. Andrew Day would maybe not so fondly remember that one, but nonetheless, we uh, uh, had uh, some some great experiences with uh, many, many people here on the, on the list. John, KE3S. Uh, John, do you have... Uh, uh, well, let me preface this. John is a builder extraordinary. In my opinion, he ranks along right alongside uh, uh, Chuck, uh, WA6LTV. These two guys, in my opinion, are the best home brewers quality-wise of, of resultant work, Manhattan-style. You wouldn't believe. Uh, John's stuff is, is incredible. John, have you ever done any power meters in all of your uh, stable of goodies? Thank you for the kudos, uh, George. Um, the you know it's odd. The one power meter I did do was uh, was interesting at um, Dayton one year uh, at uh, FDIM. They had a builders thing one evening where for fifteen dollars you got all the pizza you could eat and a kit, and you sat there at the table and built one of those nogawats and uh, and ate pizza, which was a lot of fun. Hi. Um, so that's the only experience I've ever had building one. Whenever I need one, I go over and borrow my brother's bird, actually, and he's got, like, a whole box full of slugs, so he's always got what I need. So uh, back to you, uh, KE3S. Okay, John, thanks a lot. Yeah, it's always always good to know somebody who has a bird, um, a bird power meter, and when you really need uh, accuracy at any range, at any frequency, uh, that's, that's certainly the one to use. Okay, well, why don't we put a wrap, unless anybody wants to just double their uh, their PTT switch to gain to gain my attention. Uh, I think we've um, we've kind of nailed this circuit uh, this topic uh, pretty well. But I'd like to transition over into um, kind of a related area, and that is of how do you measure power with any of these meters that we've talked about over <clears throat> over a wide range of power and get the needed accuracy and uh, once again, Joe and I have been working on some circuit ideas that um, are simple, yeah, it's a little bit, um, um, it's not as straightforward as you might think in certain in certain ways. You've got to be careful of a couple of little aspects of it. So, um, Joe, let me turn this over to you and uh, to address the topic of the 40 dB power tap uh, for power measurement. Um, on an adequate dummy load and how you get that into some of these smaller meters. Okay. Um, just, a, just a quick question to you, George. Are you able to somehow capture um, all of the attendees and the uh, the uh, info at the bottom of the screen for, uh, for your blog? Yeah, I, I am indeed. Okay, good. Well, I figured that otherwise you'd be furiously scrambling trying to make notes there. Yeah, as George mentioned, um, um, there are any number of ways to measure power. 
Um, many of the common things we do for ha as hams is uh, we want to measure the power into an antenna, um, power out of the range, uh, forward and reflected power to get us some yar. But quite often when you're doing th other things like uh, uh, measuring amplifiers or filters, you want to measure the power in and the power out of a device. So you can't use the the uh, little sort of through line power meters uh, for that unless um, they're capable of measuring very low power levels. So one of the tricks that's done, and uh, Wes Hayward, W7ZOI, wrote it up very well in uh, in his article on the uh, simple uh, power meter, was uh, he built a he designed and built a 40 dB tap. What this is, it's a it's a gadget that you hook in line with your uh, coax, and it provides an attenuated output. So there's a three, straight through line that has no loss. You hook that in line with the coax, and then uh, this attenuated output, this uh, thing that's 40 dB down, you connect to uh, to your most sensitive uh, instrument, so that uh, you can get a sample of what's uh, what's on the main line. We designed it using a uh, particular type of shielded box with a uh, transmission line strip, which is nothing but a piece of uh, brass, and uh, several carbon cop resistors. He even included a uh, kind of gimmick capacitor in there, which had a, uh, which was a wire leaning against one of the resistors. And um, it was designed so that it would provide uh, pretty good results, accurate results, um, within a dB or so from uh, basically DC up to 500 megahertz. Very, very good instrument. Uh, very good uh, uh, addition to your test instruments. I would highly recommend uh, you all look at the uh, uh, ZOI article and uh, duplicate it for yourself. Um, George and I are in the throes of building several of them for some bench testing we're doing. I, I lashed one together quickly. Uh, it's not as pretty and it's not as broadband, it's functional. But we're going to do, uh, do several of them for our own testing. Uh, the advantage is that, um, as I say, you can knock the power down to a uh, level where you can measure it with very sensitive instruments. Um, and you can do it very, very accurately so that you don't, uh, don't dilute the uh, measurement accuracy of what you're doing. And it provides no, uh, basically no loading on uh, any of the circuitry that you're trying to measure the power in. Very simple, uh, resistive thing, and uh, there will be notes on it in, uh, in the blog from this. Uh, go ahead, George, back to you. Yeah, indeed, Joe. That, that's good. In fact, I just dialed up that article, and I was entering the reference uh, link to it. There is no, I don't have a link to it. It's uh, June 2001 QST. Page thirty-eight, and um, I don't. Uh, I don't see. Go ahead. There is a link uh, on the uh, Kanga US uh, webpage. Um, I'll give it that to you later. Excellent, excellent. So, um, and in fact, the next uh, on the next go around, I'll see if I can get it quickly because it's um, got some really good um, uh, analog circuits um, in it. But the simple thing that I'd like to just chat about for a moment because there's something that 
each of us could do, just like in a falling off a log, um, is to put the one, two, three, four resistors in a series, a capacitor, a bypass um, capacitor, I guess, over um, 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 across one of them, and then you put the link down at the bottom to your RF here. So a question I have to you, Joe, without really having gone through the article quite yet, um, how do you, two, two questions, how do you determine what the right power or what the right resistors are that you put across your dump um, in order to get the knocked down voltage um, that's appropriate for the level of the power meter that you have. For example, my KA7EXM power meter only goes up to plus 7 dBm, um, which, holding in my phone listing, Index fingers um, was uh, the DM is somewhere around uh, seven milliwatts, six point uh, actually a little bit about six milliwatts with a power is seven dBm. So if you have more than that going in, ultimately you're going to be zapping your your, your power meter. Likewise, the uh, NorCal meter, NorCal power meter, I think only. I don't know, it's maybe 10 watts at most. So, um, you know, how do you determine those resistor values accurately? Well, it's it's two questions here, actually. The 40 dB tap, um, you look at it very carefully. 40 dB in power is uh, it's 100 times, or one 100 in voltage. So really, it's a um, 100 to 1 voltage divide here. Uh, formed by the resistors, and if uh, if the proper resistor types are used and the configuration is uh, is done properly, uh, strays can be minimized uh, so that you get broadband performance. That's one of the reasons that uh, that gimmick capacitor, the wire laying against one of the resistors, is in there, is to provide broadband performance. If you're only going to 30 megahertz, you don't have to worry about that. That would only be in the VHF and uh, UHF ranges. But uh, it is basically just a resistive uh, attenuator. Uh, you can put a volt in, or probably something like 3 volts would be better, in on the, uh, uh, the main input, through input, and measure the DC out at the, uh, the output tap, uh, terminating the output tap with 50 ohms, and if you see a 100 to 1 voltage ratio there, uh, the thing is basically calibrated. Very easy to calibrate. All right. That, um, that takes care of that. So that's fixed at 40 dB. But you could... Okay, so... <clears throat> so it's a 40 dB. So what I'm trying to say is that if you have a voltage, or if you have a power level that you're trying to measure... That is um, going to be knocked down dB. It might be knocked down too low for the resolution of the meter that you're using. So you might want to adjust it to be not as much of an attenuator or not as much of a um, um, power tap uh, level. Well, that's a balancing act. Uh, 40 dB is nice because it's a 101 voltage. It's uh, 10,001 power, so you can knock high uh, high powers down to something you can easily measure. But it's also good because the uh, 
resistor values with a, uh, a series string there that go to the, uh, the through line are high enough that they don't affect the impedance of the, or the uh, they don't affect the impedance of the through port. If you use lower resistors to uh, uh, to do uh, to take the tap off, um, you can affect that impedance. You can uh, cause a mismatch in there. One of the tricks used to do that uh, to uh, uh, circumvent that is you can go ahead. Hello. No, go ahead. I didn't hear anything. Okay. I'd I heard a brief voice now. One of the things you can do to kind of circumvent that is you can use a directional coupler, one of the uh, transmission line directional couplers that can be set for, for example, for 20 dB, so that you get a uh, less attenuation uh, to go to a, a higher level power meter. Um, and uh, you do introduce some loss. You probably introduce a dB or so loss, so you have to calibrate for that. But it, it, it's reasonably broadband. You would have to check it. But it's another easy way to knock the power down. If you're if you're trying to use a higher power meter with with a through line situation, uh, it's not always too practical. Um, it's usually usually best to use uh, higher attenuation taps with uh, lower power stuff. Um, one thing you might do. If you have a high power level and you're just trying to measure power, not necessarily uh, uh, input and output of a, a, uh, a circuit, you can build a power attenuator out of resistors, series and parallel resistors, so that you have a uh, resistive uh, T or pi pad that can be calculated. And you can do that where most of the power is dissipated in the pad and uh, you knock it down to a power level that your power meter can handle. 10 dB pad would uh, knock the, the power down by a factor of 10. 20 dB would knock the power down by a factor of 100. Um, you, as I say, you would use that in a situation where you're actually trying to measure the power out of an amplifier into a power meter that uh, generally had a higher power rating than one of the uh, lab grade instruments. Right. I follow that. But what I don't follow, and maybe I'll ask Bruce, since you put that link up for uh, Monty's uh, uh, tap attenuator, all it is is a series resistor. Uh, it's got some caps in there. Is that, uh, Bruce, is that something you understand in its operation? Yeah, well, you have it, George. I mean, essentially what you're doing is you're creating a voltage divider as well. And, um, you can you can think of it as uh, you know your 50 ohm resistor, and then a uh, 4.999 k ohm resistor, um, uh, attenuating the uh, uh, or if you will creating the other part of the voltage divider. So you're measuring the uh, um, the voltage at uh, at one end of that, and then there's generally a, uh, a capacitive compensation cap as well. So your, your 40 dB, as, as Joe says, your 40 dB is a pretty common uh, measurement or a, a common attenuation level because then um, uh, 10 watts into the dummy load becomes 1 milliwatt into your power meter. Um, but what I, what I did want to mention in here, and, and thanks for allowing me to get my foot in the door here, George, is that I've actually used this 
the 40 dB power tap to do things with uh, software-defined radio and using SDR as test equipment. Um, I've, in cases, in some cases, taken the output of a QRP radio, let's say 5 watts or so, through a uh, 40 dB power tap, brought that down to 0.5 milliwatts, and then a little bit lower than that, um, added another uh, 20 dB to 40 dB or so of inline attenuation in that line, and then taken and put that into a uh, SDR and use that to measure the uh, harmonic content and spurs out of the, uh, the QRP transmitter. So it's a uh, it's another tool to have in the uh, uh, toolbox, if you will. The 40 dB power attenuator is a uh, is a handy device, handy standard device to have. But uh, other attenuators and so forth are uh, also uh, handy to have, so that you can build what you need for the circumstances of whatever it is you're trying to measure or trying to accomplish. Go ahead. That is a great, great, uh, uh, great comment. Um, I really, both Joe and I really can appreciate uh, the point. I guess we would underscore the value of having, yeah, for each of us, having various tools and techniques on our bench that allow us to do something just like what you're talking about. Um, um, another simple example is um, just a, um, a DB attenuator box I've got on the output of my eight, eight, um, 84. Gosh, what is what's What's my signal generator, Joe? The 8046? HP 8046? 8640. Great numbers, just in a different order. So I've got uh, the signal generator coming out, and I have a step attenuator uh, in series with that that um, that I can that I feed into various projects, uh, whether it's the Cube or the SDR to go. Um, and um, it, it's just great for a very much controlling the signal levels that you've got going into your test circuits. If you know what you've got going in, it's easy to determine, easier to determine the relationship of what's coming out, or in the cases you described, as far as the uh, uh, the spurs and the signals that can be seen in the SDR spectrums, the actual uh, the spectrograms uh, that are generated. Um, and I guess that answered it. My my second question that was to Joe before. Um, and that was, uh, okay, with a 40 dB tap, um, you're essentially dividing everything by, um, oh, shucks, was it 1,000? 10,000. Yeah, 10,000 for, uh, for power. Yeah. So whatever you, you got, whatever reach you got, looking at it backwards, whatever reading that you have on your power meter with a 40 dB tap in place, you multiply that times 10,000. So that becomes um, a way to, to kind of get back to the absolute. I bought um, I bought some boat anchors. Well, I, I like boat anchors. My shack, just as an aside, my shack is really kind of an unusual type of thing. I've got a, a big, long row of boat anchors that I just love the heck out of and restoring and getting them working. And then on a level just above that, uh, the shelf just above that, I've got uh, various... Uh, um, Kind of like the newer technology. I'm just looking across. I've got the SDR cube, the SDR to go. I've got the um, the HP SDR. Uh, so it's like uh, when and now, all in one viewing. Anyways, I have just got some. Um, I got the uh, the DX40B, and uh, that's a that's a transmitter, and the mating HR10B. So um, 
having this kind of test equipment is really, really handy as far as working with power levels that are greater than QRP, which heretofore is all I really had the capability of measuring in my shack for years and years. So um, these kinds of things can be useful to you if you have, say, a 20-watt amplifier comes your way. You'll be able to measure it um, with something like the NorCal power meter or the KA7 EXM power meter that only goes up to a certain level, and you can use these techniques. Okay, are there, are there questions along the power meter? Joe, just the, as an aside, this to me would be a great kit project, a uh, great club project. Um, simple, effective, useful, and we might even in this group be able to you know, kind of uh, come up with some techniques or little add-on uh, add capability that makes it unique and, and kind of fun and puts our, our, a little bit of a characteristic signature on it for this group. But that's just an aside. Um, it's kind of a, you know, a good, fun project for the group. Um, any any other thoughts on uh, this power tap? Any other questions? We've covered a lot of material just for the uh, the power tap uh, topic itself. Uh, yeah, George. Yes, sir, Jim. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things uh, you mentioned before. A 20 dB power tap. Uh, one trouble with that is if you run the attenuation down the first resistor, the top resistor of the voltage divider starts dissipating quite a bit of power. Uh, I think about I think at the 40 dB level, the top resistor is dissipating like a watt at 100 watts, you know, roughly, uh, which is fine. If you knock that down to 20 dB, you're going to get a lot more power dissipation up there at the 100 watts. So it's just something to keep in mind. The more important point, though, is that the lower resistor is 50 ohms, but it's essential that measuring device also have 50 ohms. So that the net resistance at the bottom of the voltage divider is at very exact 25 ohms. The upper resistor is calculated on that basis, and the, the accuracy will just not be there unless you can guarantee that your measuring power meter that you're attaching to the bottom has a very accurate 50 ohm input impedance. Good point, and it's one that would really, when you run through the math, on the power going through those resistors, um, uh, it becomes evident pretty quickly. I'm looking at the resistors in the uh, in the West Hayward article. Um, R1, A, B, and C are each rated at half watt. There are three series connected. Uh, well, they're, they're half watt. Joe, you want to comment on that uh, on that item um, relative to what Jim was saying? These are only half watt resistors. Absolutely. Well, as Jim pointed out, uh, there will be power dissipated in in those uh, resistors. Um, And Wes uses three in series for several reasons. First of all, uh, um, if you use multiple resistors, it gives you you a higher dissipation rating for the total uh, series resistance that uh, you're stressing with the higher levels. Secondly, and this is kind of a trick that uh, I learned as a tech. When you have multiple resistors there, you pull a whole bunch of resistors and you select them uh, and check the, the uh, attenuation at DC so that you can calibrate the darn thing to exactly a 100 ohm ratio. Um, and you do that one at a time with those resistors until the total um, 
uh, terminated attenuation uh, there is 101. Thirdly, um, using multiple resistors distributes a stray capacitance across them. And uh, I'm fairly certain that uh, Wes Hayward is strong enough that that was another reason he picked three resistors there. So that the strays didn't tend to eat you up and uh, uh, screw up the, uh, uh, the stray uh, capacitance across the resistors to uh, to uh, uh, degrade the uh, high frequency uh, attenuation. If you have three in series, you, you put all those capacitances, stray capacitances in, in series so that you affect the uh, uh, high frequency performance less. High frequency being UHF. Outstanding. All the subtleties in the simple little circuits that we encounter. Um, just, uh, just as an aside, uh, Wes, Wes was the co-author or one of the three authors in the uh, ENRFD book, right, Joe? That's a fair one. He also co-authored the Solid State Design for Radio Amateurs with Doug uh, Absolutely. So here, here's a recommendation for anybody in the group uh, that is even thinking of, of uh, grabbing a soldering iron and doing some work. If you haven't heard of those two books, um, definitely do what you can to, to get your hands on it. Uh, EMRFD is um, Experimental Methods for RF or NRF Design, Radio Frequency Design. EMRFD is a fabulous book. Um and uh, same too with um, uh, solid state circuit design. What was the name of that show? SSRFT, solid state circuits for radio frequency design. Uh, unfortunately, that's out of print and becoming uh, rare. Uh, I managed to grab a yellow old copy um, at Dayton for about a dollar. I'm going to take it apart page by page and scan it. Mm-hmm. Scan it for, um, and I'm sure we'll do whatever's legal on that. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, those two books are just absolute references. I, I can remember in my earlier days of homebrewing, I was flying around a lot even back then with uh, with my company. And I grabbed uh, it was actually the solid state design book, uh, solid state experimental methods, whatever. Um, and I read through that thing. It was long trips, just across country. Um, and uh, read through that book time and time again, circled, underscored things. Uh, by the time I got done with the trip, I, I was so psyched I wanted to build every single one of the circuits in that uh, in that book. Which reminds me, just as another tip, and we'll, we'll mark these you know, down along the way. Um, I think it is Kanga used to have, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to provide the components for um, each of the circuits in the EMRFD book, such that if you indeed wanted to build those circuits and experiment with the transistors, resistors, the gain, and the capacitors, and whatnot, you would have them at your hand, uh, at your fingertips, and um, um, uh, and then you would you know, be able to build them and do that experiment. So again, there's a lot of stuff out there if you really want to do it, and these are a couple of good references that uh, we have for you in doing that. Okay. Um, yeah, Bruce, go ahead. You have something. Yeah. Thank you, George. No, I just wanted to mention the, um, I believe the actual title of that uh, that first book is Solid State, Di- Solid State Design 
Um, oh God, now I'm on the now I'm on the bully pulpit here, and I can't get it. I believe it was solid state design for the radio amateur, or um, uh, words along those lines. But as you mentioned, um, those are becoming scarce as hen's teeth, and there are people on eBay uh, who will try to charge ninety nine dollars for that tome. Um, it's it's a good deal at, at five or ten bucks. I actually found it at uh, at a uh, retailer long after they had been out of print for the cover price, and I snapped it up. Uh, Caremark, I think it was, and they they sell some uh, 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 toroid cores and and so forth. And uh, they actually had a couple left in stock, and I grabbed one. But I believe it was solid state design for the radio amateur. Very good book, as well as experimental. Uh, methods and RF design. I recognize. I recommend both of them. In fact, there's a very active um, uh, Yahoo group that follows the experimental methods and RF design. And uh, Wes Hayward is a regular on that, as well as uh, Rick Campbell, KK7B. But uh, I did just want to mention that uh, for those who did not know, Kanga uh, Kits, KangaUS.com, they suffered a, a very, very devastating flood out there in Fidley, Ohio. And Kelsey is still to this day recovering from that. And at one time, he did offer what he called kitlets, uh, K-I-T-L-E-T-S, for uh, certain of the um, schematics and projects within experimental methods and RF design. I don't know if he's back up to speed in offering those again yet, but those were cases where he would give you the schematic, he would give you the uh, uh, the parts and maybe a piece of scrap PC board to build them up on. But again, the key to that book is that it's called Experimental Methods. They expect you to build stuff, experiment with it, find out what works well, what does not, what do I change, what happens when I change this component. So the whole idea is experimentation as opposed to theory. So if you like building stuff and learning what it works and how it works, excellent book, excellent book. And uh, that's it. Thanks, George. Oh, that's a super reference, and, and indeed Bill was the one, Kanga U.S. was the one who ran those kitlets. I see that uh, uh, Bill KD5TFD put the link on the um, on our, uh, on, on the text log here uh, for that uh, apparently is still available, so it's definitely something worth uh, looking into. Um, oh, sure. It's only $173. <laughs> Out of print. Okay, enough on that. All right, now what we're going to do at this point here is something that we normally do in the club meetings. Um, and we sometimes do it at the beginning of the meetings, sometimes we do it at the end of the meetings. Uh, we often have like a featured topic, such as we have had here with the uh, the power measurement, power measurement devices, power measurement techniques and whatnot. Um, but the thing that we do at the club meetings is uh, we... Um, we kind of go around the table relative to uh, giving everybody a, an opportunity to talk about what their latest project might be. And just to mention it, there, there's no need to go into great technical depth. Uh, just as an FYI for others, perhaps, <clears throat> to understand or hear what your latest project is, you know, and, uh, in just a few minutes or less or so, and, you know, the more it's drilled into or more questions afterwards, so much the better. But we get a chance to kind of just talk about what the current project on the bench is or what the current new find is at the dollar store relative to ham radio or what you just got off of eBay and, uh, 
your newfangled radio, um, whatever you might want to be talking about, give a chance to kind of uh, mention that and let others know because maybe somebody else has been doing the same kind of thing. Maybe somebody else has been eyeing that uh, that uh, W1 and the uh, Elecraft store. Uh, something else that come to my mind is just uh, I've had my eye on the uh, signal generator, the XG3, was it, from Elecraft? And it all comes to mind relative to calibrating using known value signals. But uh, if, you've, if you've got a project along that line, um, what we'd like to do is just kind of... Uh, um, Provide a, you know, an indication with your PTT switch that you, you got something that you would like to say to toss in and, um, you know, go from there. Maybe to start off with, uh, I know Joe has been working a couple of projects on his bench. Joe, of course, is the, uh, author of, oh gosh, Joe, how many, uh, how many cookies now are you up to in the, in the, um, uh, QOP quarterly? I think the count is, 79, something like that. 79 cookies, 79 continuous articles describing little circuits like this <clears throat> or that and, uh, you know, sharing on how, what you might be able to be doing with some simple components on your bench to create some simple instrumentation, some simple devices, uh, for your operating bench. Um, but Joe, what, um, what, what's currently on your bench? Uh, I don't want you to necessarily kind of give away the, the farm here relative to uh, what the next quickie is, but uh, what what, what uh, scalingly brilliant uh, project you have brewing on your bench right now? I'm going to be deciding which one. Um, I told Mike, uh, Mike Shoziski does the uh, technical topics call for QRP quarterly. Um, oh, back, I don't know, 12 years ago, I said, I have a few ideas to write there. Uh, Write up some idea, uh, some uh, uh, things for your column, and uh, they became Joe's quickies. Well, I showed up on the had at the time, which had about 50 entries. Um, I actually got the, the notebook up to over 10 pages. I'm just notes on things I wanted to talk about, things I wanted to write about. And I, I just have too many. My current thing is a little orthogonal to uh, all the rest of this. Um, I've been enjoying going out in the woods take a daily walk. I've been, in the fall, enjoying going out uh, in the woods and uh, operating. Uh, it's not awkward to sit on a log and have your uh, your radio stuff and your antenna tuner and your battery and your paddle sitting in your lap. So what I did was I took a, uh, a clipboard case. It's a case attached to a uh, uh, clipboard that uh, a salesman, for example, put his order from Zen. I... Uh, I cut out uh, some foam, I cut a piece of foam with uh, cutouts in there, and I have my uh, ATS-3 um, KD1JV rig, I have a T1 tuner, I have a battery, and I have the uh, um, paddle and um, some accessories that I store in there. And then when I go out in the woods, I take them out of the, uh, out of the foam, put them on top of the, uh, this clipboard, Put the clipboard case on the lap and operate there and I have an operating bench so that they don't all slide around. I put a piece of the, uh, the rubber uh, non-skid uh, shelf liner to, uh, to keep it from flipping around. Um, as I told George, I, I was out there operating one day in the woods and it's pretty quiet. There's not many people out there. 
this woman happened to have had a couple dogs. She had let the dogs run loose, and they ran loose. They came up to investigate me, and they're sniffing around. She didn't expect anybody in the woods there. Well, she came up with me, saw this geezer sitting there doing something on his lap, and she said, ah! She ran away. Well, I know your picture will be in the post office. <laughs> oh, boy, well said. Well said. But... Uh, um, that, that's a great, uh, that's a great story, Joan, and it's kind of like the, wraps together several things about, you know, doing the hobby and keeping, keeping things simple such that you can get out and do some operating once in a while. I, many of us here, myself perhaps at the top of the list, is guilty of not operating enough. I just happen to enjoy work with soldering iron in my hand more than I do a microphone or even a paddle, but, um, Getting out to, to operate is probably part, you know, it's probably the joy that you started off with and within ham radio. So getting a chance to do that is good. Um, we'd like to see some sketches in detail at some point. Maybe we can augment that for the notes here, Joe, as far as your, uh, that, uh, that little table that you had, or what, that, that clipboard thing that you used for, for the purpose. Uh, but thanks for sharing that. Okay, we'll do it. I'll get a couple sketches to it. All right. Um, who else has um, who else has a um, um, uh, project that they would like to just kind of announce that they're working on? Doug K A two U P W Douglas, how are you? This is so good to have you with us here, bud. It's been a long time, and another one of the very original uh, QRP. Uh, the New Jersey QRP uh, club members. Douglas, you're probably working on uh, five or six satellite-related projects. What's currently on your bench? Uh-oh, you don't have your audio hooked up, Douglas. That's not a good sign. Sorry about that. Um, let me know when you when you got your right input device uh, selected, and then we'll come back to you. Um, so... Um, Jim N2ADR, you've got uh, you've got a bunch of things that are on your bench. I know that. Uh, anything new since we last met in person over in Princeton or Brooklyn? Uh, uh, sort of. I was working with some software to improve the um, transmit section of my Quisk transceiver, and uh, it was all just a complete failure. I guess you could say the software failed the smoke test on this one. But uh, I'm going to have another go at it. It's a lot more complicated than I thought it really was. The, I'm clip, trying to clip the audio more effectively, and, and something basic I'm missing. I did have more luck on a, a vector network analyzer. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to use the transceiver as a vector network analyzer, and I was able to do that at fixed frequency. And as an exercise, I measured a few capacitors and inductors and resistors with it, and the numbers seemed to work out right. But I can't tune it, so it's not very useful as it stands. I really am able to sweep it over a range of frequencies so I can come up with a plot, for instance, of antenna impedance. Uh, so that's what I'm working on. Good stuff, Jim. And in fact, as I recall, last meeting that you were at with us, you were showing us or telling us about the ideas that you had for using your your Quisk transceiver as a uh, vector network analyzer. Um, it was uh, 
uh, intriguing. It's nice to hear that you've, you've made some progress in that, in that area. Um, I mentioned one thing among a lot of uh, new PSK modem and SDR cube projects and add-on accessories that I've got going here. Also working on an orthogonal one. It's a an Arduino-based uh, um, scanning um, uh, Arduino-based RF scanner, essentially. Sweeper. So Sweeper. Thank you. So working with a an Arduino and essentially um, putting a uh, putting the DDS60 uh, control code in there, so it can control the DDS60. Which um, actually, I think um, somebody did it from the AQRP group, uh, Ross. I'm using Ross's as a starting point, and taking the DDS output and um, whereas tickling the circuit with it, measuring the circuit coming back, so I have like a two-port device, and uh, measuring the signal coming back to see its measurement characteristics. So if you it is squirt an RF signal into a filter or uh, like a low-pass filter or a crystal and measure the signal coming back out and plot it, you can get a characteristic curve for that device that you're measuring. And that can be all sorts of beneficial uh, um, information. And just working with the Arduino is, is kind of a fun uh, project. If you haven't uh, picked up the Arduino yet or looked at it, if you're into microcontrollers, that's definitely an area that would uh, that, that could be of, of interest. It's a high-level language, very C-like, uh, but it's easy to use, and they've got a lot of uh, applications in ham radio, and there's some good books that we can recommend. So think about the Arduino sometime. Uh, it costs maybe 30 bucks, I think, for an Arduino board, 30 to $40. You can get a, a bare-bones version from uh, a ham radio guy, uh, Brian Riley. Um, you can get, uh, I like using a little Nano, um, which is uh, like a 30 pin dual inline package with a plug module that has all the chips on it there with a USB port on it. A lot of I.O. available to you. So think about the, uh, the Arduino. Uh, George. Yeah. Uh, you, are you aware that the ARRL is coming out with an Arduino cookbook and they're looking for authors? Uh, no, I didn't. That sounds really great. Oh, that's good to know that... Uh, that they're doing that. I mean, just from the project basis. There's all sorts of project books. Um, I don't have it down here right now, but uh, Joe, what's the name of that uh, the book we were um, looking at uh, the other day? Uh, Arduino Projects for the Evil Experimenter or something. For the Evil System, I think it is. A lot of good, a lot of good cookbooks around. So, um, yeah, Doug, you still don't have audio, but if you ever figure out how to turn it on, I will get as your as your key, and otherwise we just see your light blinking. Okay, any other? Uh, let's see, what other projects are, are cooking? I'll see. Is uh, um, Jerry Jurin? Is he is he still here? I don't see him in here. Nuts. Into GJ. So um, he normally has all sorts of little nifty projects that he picks up for us at the dollar store, and and uh, pretty handy for for the shack. Um, Ken, you you keyed up. What's cooking on your bench? Uh, Jared, I'm, uh, just completed the, uh, uh, automatic, uh, antenna tuner plugged into the Micro 908. Uh, it's uh, similar to the, uh, Allocraft E1. Uh, I got a different way of, uh, running the, uh, the relays, uh, instead of using, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, double uh, coil relays. I'm using single coil and uh, working on the, on the software to uh, to do the automated uh, part. I've, I've got it running manually now, but uh, um, I'm, I'm looking into uh, uh, finding an optimized way of uh, of uh, getting uh, it to automatically uh, um, uh, pick the right uh, inductors and capacitors. Uh, uh, based on uh, SW the micro That is really outstanding. And I didn't know they were working on that. That is uh, so cool. So you um, use a micro to generate the uh, the DDS signal, the RF signal. Um, so that provides your test signal, and then you use other I/O ports to micro the HC908 card, in order to flip relays in some fashion. To optimize the SWR read? Uh, no, actually, because I've got the, um, uh, I, I'm using it on the aux port, so it's uh, an I2C, I2C uh, system, um, and um, and I've got the uh, micro FPU there, so that uh, it uh, it does all the calculations and measures everything very uh, very quickly. So, okay, I'll, well, we'll talk about an echo. That, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. You said it's not an echo the T1, so in respect that it's got a variable network uh, uh, that you flip in, like caps and inductors in and out in order to get the optimized uh, uh, circuit combination? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, seven capacitors, seven uh, um, inductors, uh, so that, uh, um, and... Uh, just uh, switching in and out with the, with the relays, and the uh, uh, relays are run by the uh, I, I2C bus uh, out of the uh, Micro 908. Very good. As I recall, one of the one of the pieces of secret sauce that Elocraft uh, has, as many of us have in our different projects, is the optimized algorithm for quickly coming to a. Uh, um, Quickly coming to a um, um, a matched circuit, so you know you don't want to be transmitting for like thirty seconds, or the algorithm will be switching in and out. So uh, all those different relays. So I guess the better you can do it, the faster you can do it, the better it would be. That's correct, and there's a whole pile of uh, double E prom uh, uh, memory on the uh, micro M FPU and. Uh, on the C farm on the micro 908 so that uh, you can uh, store a lot of uh, uh, of previous uh, uh, batches. Hello. Well, made it. Okay, Ken, thanks a lot for that, uh, that info. I'm going to, I'll definitely like to chat about that. Douglas, what's on your bench now that you figured out? Uh, you know, they, they have classes on how to manipulate mo- um, menu items and such that you can turn your devices on or off. Uh, it's pretty, you can even take an online course, too. I, I've heard about these. Um, no, I have too many uh, DSP things and, and too many sound cards and too many inputs and how to get them all configured to use this microphone. So the, anyway, the latest uh, satellite stuff is uh, a combination of Aerosat 1, which is currently in orbit, um, running... Uh, telemetry down on, on two meters, uh, and also doing some stuff for the upcoming satellite, uh, Fox, not yet launched yet. But uh, I can put some links on the bottom for uh, the web pages that I'm up 
if uh, anybody anywhere in the world sends in telemetry, or I should say if they receive telemetry from the satellite uh, and send it into the server that I'm running, it, it updates a web page with all the satellite telemetry. And uh, but the satellite, by the way, is QRP. Outstanding. Well, you want to get some links from uh, from for all of these things, and uh, what, uh, you, you must participate in a in an online group of some sort that is in this. Uh, can you share that with us? It's uh, just the AMSAT guys. Uh, they have a website at www.amsat.org. Uh, Arasat is a, a joint AMSAT NASA Energia project. Uh, the satellite went up on a on a Russian progress resupply ship and then got uh, hand-deployed by the cosmonauts out the back of the ISS. But uh, it's just the usual AMSAT, guys. If anybody's interested, I'd be happy to go on for hours about it. Uh, that's it. Maybe sticking around here if you've got the time after we, uh, we kind of pull the plug in 10, 15 minutes or so, but... Um, that might be enjoyable for for some people. Um, Doug, you were you were with the uh, uh, funny Joe and I often reminisce. One time, many years ago, as a group, the New Jersey QRP guys went up to join the New England QRP group up in Newington, uh, uh, Connecticut, and just outside um, headquarters, we had a big group picture, and you were out there, Doug, as as were I and Joe and. Oh gosh, Chuck Adams, and there were, there were a bunch of us up out there. And uh, we're up, you were pointing one of your small satellite antennas. Um, we were all kind of standing around watching them, but uh, it's just some of the, the folklore that we have about you here in this group. Yeah, I just came up to those pictures uh, a couple of days ago. I still had I wasn't going to say anything about that. Very good. Thanks for joining us on here today, Doug. This is a, it's really good talking with you. Um, Ray K two U L R, you've uh, you've got some fun stuff going on in, in, on your bench. Um, you, you tend to specialize in at least in part in uh, kind of portable antennas, and uh, you loaned me. I'm turning around, looking at it right now here. You loaned me a small loop, uh, a loop. Uh, transmit antenna uh, with an MFJ controller on it. I'm ready to bring that back at, at some point, but uh, what other projects do you have going? Okay, uh, <clears throat> uh, George. Well, let's see. Uh, oh, there's Douglas. Uh, maybe Doug has got uh, on or something. Uh, be aware of that. <laughs> I was teased for using a space bar. It's so easy to do with people to get used to echoing because that's uh, a default uh, keying uh, key for uh, echoing. Um, I actually haven't done too much lately. Uh, I was uh, terribly psyched when I worked the uh, Tango 32 Charlie uh, uh, station on uh, 12 meters uh, which was my first 12-meter uh, contact, by the way, uh, using the Alex loop, you remember that, um, indoors in uh, my little sunroom here. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, pretty going home on loop antennas, and uh, considering uh, something like uh, what Joe in uh, 2CX has, uh, because it would mount on uh, uh, nicely uh, on 
a used satellite mount <laughs> uh, uh, on the back uh, of our property here. Uh, also, I'm very psyched to learn that uh, John KE3S is so nearby. He's in Doylestown, from Warrington, uh, which is where I am, John. So uh, that's really cool. Um, um, anyway, uh, I guess that's all I have to, to offer at this point. Uh, I don't really have a bench here, but I do have a desk. Uh, <laughs> uh, back to you, George, K2ULR. Yeah, I'm... I remember you're a little tight on space there, Ray. Thanks a lot for your, your, your sharing your stories there. Um, and uh, Doug, I think you, you want to be sure either you're, you do have Vox on or uh, you're accidentally hitting the key, your transmit key, your PTT key when, on your keyboard because it pops on and off. There you go. You had it set to space. Good deal. Hey, I noticed that... Uh, uh, Dave, 87JT joined. Uh, Dave, I wonder what crazy project you have on your bench. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Keyer Mode? Dave, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, I didn't hear the question. I said, uh, I'm wondering if you could tell us about a crazy project that you have on your bench, maybe like Keyer Mode for the new PSK modem. Well, I hold off my bench, but uh, we're getting ready to release it. Uh, it's a mode that uh, George has been looking for for his, his headless modem. Uh, we can not only uh, you know, do CW with a paddle with the modem, but you can actually control the modem and use it normally. So you can run you know, PSK mode or RTTY, whatever, uh, without a keyboard. And the major part of that project has been uh, getting all these other functions, functions so that you can run it with, uh, with the keyer. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's getting to release, right, George? <laughs> yeah, it is. And things like this in the evenings are taking them off. I race home from work and I get home about quarter to about 7.30. And then, uh, then it's down here in the bench all night. But uh, just about there. Just about ready to release. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, this is probably getting close to the end without having to go to overlays in the modem because we're about running out of program memory. Um, I think there's enough in there to fix uh, the short motions that are going to happen. Um, anyway, that's about it. Uh, I'm also playing, as you know, with uh, trying to replace that the Motorola device that the keyboard here uh, with a pick device, same device that's using the real-time clock. Uh, have that pretty much running. Um, trying to go beyond that, running into some other problems that just keyboard interfaces need. Uh, but that's basically what I've been up to. Then maybe I'm going to take a break for a while. I think we can. <laughs> Doug, if you don't get that off the back, I'm going to be mad. So uh, I think we can find some other projects there for you, Dave. <laughs> the. Um, Calibrate everybody else. Dave is the uh, um, is the author of the latest two modes for the new PSK modem, CW mode as well as what we were talking about here for Keyer mode. So, in a, in a simple sentence, if you got that, uh, if you got the new PSK modem, that's that standalone tool, uh, modem that don't need no stinking PC to run, um, 
what you can do instead of having a keyboard connected to it, you can just have plug in your paddle, and there's keyer software in there that will accept input from your paddle in order to either transmit or to deliver commands for changing different modes and, and capabilities that the modem has. And of course, with CW mode operational, the CW reader portion, whenever incoming text is displayed to the screen, it uh, sounds the Morse. Um, it sounds off and enunciates in Morse. So once again, this is heading for the uh, the uh, the goal, long time goal of headless or uh, portable PSK that uh, that we've had for many years. Okay, so um, other project, Bruce, you must have some. Uh, Chuck, was that you? Did you have something? I guess not. Bruce, did you have any yeah. project? Oh, okay, Chuck. Sorry about that. Yeah, just, go ahead. Yeah, I was just asking. I was just asking with that that modem. With uh, uh, I haven't heard about that one. Where's it from? I mean, the mo- it's the new PSK modem. It's the new software release that's going to come out shortly. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I I, I just misunderstood that. I'm following you now. Alrighty. Um, so did you have any projects on the bench that you wanted to share? Well, George, you know, probably not unlike yourself and Joe, I like to uh, people that I suffer from a form of electronic attention deficit disorder in that I often have too many projects on the bench at any given time um, <laughs> and, and not enough time to get to any of them and give them the time that they deserve. Um, you know, it was interesting because it, it hit a chord with me when uh, Joe mentioned earlier about going out into the woods, not about scaring little old ladies with whatever he was doing in his lap, but rather with actually operating. And, and so many times, so many of us, um, uh, a lot of times don't take the time or, or don't have the time to sit back and enjoy the simple pleasure of actually having a QSO with a radio that we've either built or repaired or modified or, or somehow made our own. And um, a lot of cases, uh, that's the situation with me. Uh, like yourself, I'm also uh, uh, actively following and playing with the Open HP SDR, the new PSK modem, the SDR Cube, the Genesis 5.9 SDR. So I think you can probably detect a theme in there as well, um, as well as being a very avid uh, a fan of the Elecraft products. Uh, there's uh, hundreds, should say thousands of people waiting for the KX3 to come out and uh, uh, what fun that, that toy is going to be to be with. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Lately I've been thinking about uh, with the increase in the uh, activities on the higher bands, wouldn't it be fun to uh, uh, tinker together something for 10 meters uh, from a portable basis? Uh, like yourself, like Joe, I know uh, I, I enjoy building and, and using and, and awing people with the uh, uh, KD1JV products when Steve comes out with a, a new little pocket rig and then Altoids tin, you know, that'll do four bands. But right now, there aren't really any off-the-shelf that I'm aware of uh, 10-meter QRP kits that you can put together and, and get on that band. Uh, while we're enjoying the increase in the solar activity. So that's something I've been kind of rolling over in my mind. Uh, I'm very, very well-stocked junk box. And uh, been thinking about uh, what I'd take to just kind of hammer together something. And it's not that 
I don't have a radio that can operate 10 meters. I mean, I do. I can, I can lay my hands on uh, a few of them. But there's that magic, that magic of radio. When, when you first turn on, in particular, receiver that you've built with your own hands, you know, perhaps, you know, somebody else's schematic or, or maybe something that you've taken a piece from here, you've taken a piece from there. And, and when you first apply power to it, and not smoke, but sound comes out of it (laughs) and you get to hear signals out of it there's nothing quite like bringing a new radio to life and that's what i enjoy the most and a lot of times i'll build a radio i'll make a contact with it and then i'll push it aside and i'll start on something else and and right now what's kind of got my uh my ear up is uh maybe trying to uh hammer together something that i can make uh 10 meter cw contacts with uh, out of things that are, uh, you know, just out of the junk box and, and it's like a, a good cook in the, uh, in the kitchen. You've got all these ingredients, ingredients, you just bring them together and the magic happens and, and there it is. Um, they say cooks have to eat their mistakes. Uh, when it comes to uh, electronic homebrew, maybe you just take it apart and you build something else with it. But right now, don't have anything but ideas, uh, but, you know, be glad to share as these things come along. But just let me take this opportunity to thank you, George, and uh, uh, everybody else for uh, joining us this evening. You know, this is a really great idea. I'm looking forward to getting together with you guys whenever my work schedule and, and, and otherwise will allow. So for now, um, I'll just leave it at that. But I am going to be uh, listening out for a little while, and then I'll be calling it a night. Uh, we're expecting probably four to six inches of snow overnight, and maybe a good eight inches by the time we uh, wrap things up tomorrow. So not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. And for anybody in field service, that's a day that you sit home and wait for the phone to ring, and I think that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. So I'll take this opportunity to just say thank you again, George, and uh, everybody else that's taken part this evening. Really, really great uh, introduction section. Our uh, session here, and uh, glad to be part of it. So, with that, back to you, George. That was great information. Thanks an awful lot for uh, your contributions here this evening and for joining. Indeed, this is fun. This is, I'm afraid this is more fun for me than anybody else because I just really enjoy pulling together a lot of the uh, uh, the ideas out. And if I hear something that I haven't heard about, and I, I'm, I'm able to just by the nature of uh, uh, being the net control for tonight, <clears throat> being able to drill down and ask more questions about something that interests me is just really enjoyable. And I'm hoping that it's been um, enjoyable for everybody else too. Joe and I spent a lot of time in constructing the scenario for how we would do it, when we would do it, uh, the topics, the way that we'd run it, and we'll learn, we'll we'll grow um, as as we um, you know as we proceed here. We, we, and listening to the tapes or into the recordings here, I'm sure I'm going to be somewhat aghast at how long I talk, and I'm going to have to be um, pulling off the, the PTT switch sooner, and and even make it better along the way. So thanks very much for uh, uh, your, your last input here, Bruce. And by the way, probably SDR, um, a soft rock or other equivalent small circuit, is going to be maybe the best bet for the highest quality, the best bang for the quality buck. Um, that uh, for the 10 meters will have to offer. Kind of it as a aside, or maybe a little bit related. I'm, I've been working on um, a small circuit and embedded what they call a system on a chip uh, that has a, it's a, it's a chip that has built-in DSP, uh, programmable analog components or, or blocks that can work with, or ideally to work with um, a soft rock. 
So instead of having a full-blown cube or, or a full-blown uh, PC running, uh, you know, like a Flex, Flex 1500 as a software-defined uh, rig, maybe there's a way that we can come up with a small incremental circuit board to provide a low-end or a, a low, uh, a poor man's SDR without a PC and just do some of the envelope processing that way. That might be an interesting way to get onto 10 meters. I think okay. it could pretty well be a, uh, a way to go. One of the, oh, let me just uh, say, you know, one of the uh, challenges has been when it comes to something like a simple um, uh, uh, switching uh, mixer that, that uh, as embodied in the soft rocks, is that the uh, uh, the receive um, capability has been uh, has been low low sensitivity on ten meters. However, um, what I'm thinking of is be just a simple uh, analog, you know, VFO, but transceiver, you know, to actually get out there and make contacts while taking it to the band. Um, like I said, I could do it from home, tethered to the uh, computerized hardware. But I think something like you're describing, you know, a la SDR to go, but you know, in a uh, boiled down to a chip, sounds really intriguing to me. And uh, I'll have to read up a little bit on that and learn about it. So, thanks again. Do you have something to, to, to toss in here? Yeah, I don't have a special from uh, the dollar store. Maybe you've got a $44 for uh, The latest uh, QST, where it describes what's in the latest issue of QEX, it mentions that there is uh, an evaluation kit, and apparently there's an article on it in QEX. I don't get QEX, so I'm not sure. But it's on the uh, C5535. Uh, they call it the Easy DSP. It's an evaluation kit uh, for their DSP. Uh, and contains uh, all of the uh, interfacing software and uh, the rest to connect it up to your PC. Uh, looks like quite a, an elaborate kit. Uh, what they don't mention, in the uh, at least in QST, is the fact uh, that until the last day of this year, the whole thing is available for $44. Uh, so if you're interested in experimenting with uh, DSP in a, in a pretty complete environment, uh, that's certainly a, a, a minimum investment. Great point. I a little bit of a wind about that, but I wasn't. Uh, I didn't hear all of that detail. Um, funny you should mention about the EZDSP. And sorry that Milt has left. Um, Milt and I and a couple of other guys from the uh, AQRP, the Austin QRP group had started off when our, with our experiments and our own SDR um, uh, designs. We chose the EZDSP, and we had some trouble, at least with that specific evaluation board, in that we the connectors were hard to get to. It didn't offer one thing or another. But uh, maybe that's been solved with a recent uh, turn, you know, spinning the board. I don't know. I'll take a look at it. Thanks for bringing that up, Rick. Really appreciate that. Um, other... Um, other comments, we're, we're closing in we're on the, uh, the witching hour. We're going we're to wrap it up. I didn't touch with, you know, maybe six or seven of you guys. I didn't know if, if you have any specific projects that you wanted to mention. Um, just before we cut it out here, if uh, uh, we'll give a pause here if there's anybody that wants to chime in. Joe, uh, Joe Jessen, KC2VGL, in addition to recording, are you also listening? Do you have something that you'd like to toss in here, Joe? 
everything going. I just uh, got back from uh, running running more of the kids around. <laughs> so, um. All righty. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe is in Joe. Did you have more, Joe? Yeah, I was going to mention um, a mention about the power uh, a power meter. Uh, Mini Circuits has a really interesting commercial power meter, and there's a, a nice ham write-up too on it. It's a bit expensive, but uh, it's a USB-based power meter, and it's very, very accurate, very nice for about uh, I think it's seven this for seven ninety-five. And where is that from again? And what's the name of it? It's Mini Circuits, and it's over at. Uh, <clears throat> Where are they? In New York, Brooklyn, New York. It's called, um, let me get you the name here. It's uh, Mini Circus PWR-6 USB power sensor. And uh, I call it reasonably priced, highly accurate. And uh, there's a QST contributing editor did a write-up on it, Phil Salas. Um, I don't own one, but I'm looking seriously at a Christmas present. <laughs> it's always fun to stock your own uh, stuffing. You know, st- stuff your own stuff your, well, you know what I mean. Um, so, uh, thanks for that tip. And that's the mini circuits like in the, you know, SBL ones and the, the mini circuit people? Yeah, exactly. one and the same. Mini circuits, uh, Brooklyn, New York. www.minicircuits.com. And they call it the USB power sensor. Oh, right. Uh, Joe and I had to look at that especially. Um, we were right in that groove of uh, wanting to be doing this. Something along there. Okay, uh, let's see. Guys that we haven't touched with or heard from, uh, why don't you pipe in if you if you got something you want to add before we close it up tonight. Nick or uh, Jim, WA7DY, or... Um, Chris, W-A-0-A-N-M. Any of you guys have something you'd like to uh, to add to the group here? George, you copy? Yes, go ahead, Nick. Okay, uh, I got in late, George. Uh, I actually I just downloaded the program onto my netbook, and I just want to make sure, I've been listening to you guys, just want to make sure that uh, this book's working. I'll probably take it when I go to Hawaii, and maybe I'll talk to you guys in Hawaii. Okay, Nick, good. Glad you could join us tonight, and you, you sounded really good there. Um, anybody else want to want to contribute here? I'll take a quick okay. um, Well, I didn't see that. Uh, was that you, Chris? No, there was somebody else. Go ahead. Uh, it was Chuck. Okay, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his uh, can't think of his name right now. It's my mind. I have a lot of projects going all the time. And some of the, one of the big ones is, um, uh, um, SDR transceiver. It's, uh, kind of a, a bench model for me. It's, uh, it's consisted of MOBO, uh, the filters, an automatic antenna tuner, the widget controller, sound card, uh, of course, all the, you know, the power meter, 
so it's, it, it, that's it, my big project I've got on the bench. I'm doing some beta work for one of the uh, designers of, uh, on a really, really nice 100 plus watt power amplifier. It's got a pre-driver, driver, and finals, which are, um, uh, I think it's RD100HHF1s. And those are rated at 100 watts output each. And, uh, and it has a RC controller matching filter that goes with it and it covers from 160 up through 6 meters. And if you, if you disconnect the final from it, the, uh, pre-driver driver will run up through, uh, the 432 megahertz band. So, and that'll be about 20 watts or 25 watts. Yeah, it's a kind of a copy from Yesu. And then, of course, you know, running, uh, running it with the uh, final connected, you're limited to up to six meters. But those are the big ones I have and several other small ones. I have stuff going, but um, the uh, SDR project is one I've had going for a while, and, uh, and uh, it's in the enclosure and everything is isolated from each other. So it's coming along, and I hope to have it finished during the uh, holidays. And uh, that's just a real, real brief rundown. And uh, thanks for the uh, uh, yeah, kind words you said a little earlier, George. It's uh, kind of embarrassing. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's well-earned, George. You, you do good stuff, George. Watch, looking at your uh, uh, at your work um, online and at Dayton and, and so on. So, or uh, the FDIM at Dayton. Um Quick one though, the R, was it the RD-100HF? Is that the name of the power amp? Yeah, that was um, the finals. Uh, let me, uh, let me, I get, I get going here and I can't remember how to think because I've got so much. It's probably mine. I, I couldn't, uh, remember I'm on the iPad, iPod, so I'm really limited on my, uh, my, uh, Settings that we were talking about earlier. The R, I think it's RD 100 HHF1s. And uh, I wanted to make sure on that for you. I'm going to look for it real quick. No worries. I'll get the, I'll, I'll be able to dig it out with that information. I do enjoy the power amplifiers. Um, there's not a lot of them out there. So what um, I've been just kind of surveying them and seeing what's available. I personally really like a Yuma um, PA100D, and I think you do too, um, from uh, Yuma, Juma, J-U-M-A. Um, my design partner with the uh, SDR Cube is uh, Yuha Ninikowski, OH2NLT. He and his partner, his design partner, business partner, uh, run Juma um, and uh, Juma Electronics or Juma something. And uh, they, they have a nice amplifier. Okay, good. Thanks for joining us here tonight, uh, Chuck. Appreciate your, uh, your your time and contributions here with us. Um, anybody else want to uh, to hop in, Chris or Bill, KD5TFD, uh, if you've got a current project on the bench? Well, I'll be in here. I just appreciate this. I, this is a nice idea. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm just building a uh, another kit. It's a 5-watt amp for um, the exciter for the cube. 
think it'll be a good addition to my HF amp. Uh, <laughs> I need a little more power to drive it. But uh, uh, I also uh, could uh, say that the Arduino is a is a really nice uh, microprocessor to program in. I'm still learning a lot about it. I've done a lot of projects, done a lot of rework on stuff, and and uh, I'm in it. So it's a nice little microprocessor for the simplest of projects to the more complex. And that's about it. Interesting. I'm. I'd like to talk with you about that five watt amplifier for the cube. Um, I've been, uh, as I suggested earlier, I've got a project going uh, with the penny whistle. Um, the cube drives the penny whistle full to 20 watts, just really, really nice. So um, I'm interested in boosting the power on the cube. Um, Bill, anything uh, that you'd like to, to toss in? Nope, nope, enjoyed listening. Uh, project here is, as usual, uh, smoke and HPSDR stuff. Uh, actually working on trying to tweak the... Uh, the power output for Penny Lane and Hermes coming up, and uh, uh, just keep sort of plugging away at software there. For everybody's benefit here, Bill has been a long-time major contributor to OpenHPSDR software, and uh, working with the hardware evolution as well, and uh, testing things, and beta trialing, and driving a lot of the projects, and much, much credit goes to, to Bill and a lot of the guys that uh, hang out on the HPSDR uh, uh, server here. Um, as a um, as a wrap-up on my side, um, I wanted to really give thanks to the, H, the Open HPSDR group and specifically the systems administrator for it is uh, uh, Jeremy McDermott. Uh, um, and you'll see his call sign in this, in the address for the server that you entered in configuring your client, NH6Z. Um, he has very generously allowed us to be on here and actually run here every night. Um, the official, the official, uh, uh, sessions are 8 p.m. on, uh, for this group here for the New Jersey QRP club meeting is once, uh, once a month on Tuesdays, the third Tuesday of the month. Um, every Tuesday, we have um, a session on QRP homebrewing uh, group. Uh, so that's the other channel that's here. And then generally, Joe and I, N2CX and I, um, hang out here about 8 p.m. every night. So um, various people from different lists that might like to catch us, or maybe it's just Joe and I, and we kind of are we're exchanging technical data. You're more than welcome to join in. And really... Uh, uh, use the service. Uh, again, thanks so much to Jeremy for letting us use it, and we'll indeed continue using it just as long as it is um, productive and helpful for everybody involved. So once again, um, one final call, and then we're going to call it a wrap here today. Anybody have uh, anything else they'd like to pass into the group? Okay, nothing here. Thank you, one and all. Um, this has been the, the first session of the New Jersey QRP Club online meeting, and uh, we've represented this from all over. Um, please let us know um, how it worked out for you. Um, always, always open for suggestions, for um, uh, critical suggestions. Um, we take everything up, and we'll do this just as much in as, as long as it's uh, of value and of interest to the people, especially those in the New Jersey Club. So thanks, uh, 
uh, one and all, and we'll say good night. One more thing. Sure, go ahead. Uh, do you QEX? Yes, I do. Uh, did you read the uh, article on the C5535? Um, to see which one is that, uh, Rick? That's the one on the uh, Easy DSP evaluation kit. I don't know if I've read if it's the most recent article, most recent Mac issue. Um, it's still sitting by my Easy Chair. I haven't read too much into it yet. Okay, I'm uh, I'm not a, a QEX uh, subscriber for the most part, probably over my head, but. Uh, I would like to know what they are, what uh, they have to say in the article. And I wonder maybe if I just stop by tomorrow night, uh, if you just take a glance at the article and, and kind of give me a, uh, a quick summary. Sure, sure. Um, I, I, I was quickly to say, I mean, maybe too quickly to say, we're here every night at 8 o'clock. Um, the obvious times of the holidays might be a little bit spotty. I'm not sure about tomorrow night, certainly not on Thursday night. But uh, anytime that I'm on here, definitely, you know, put your head in and be glad to chat about it. I'll, I'll make a point of looking at that article and being a little bit smarter about it. I appreciate it. Hey, George, I got a quick question before I run off here. Sure thing, Bruce. Go ahead. Well, I, I noted with interest when you uh, when you mentioned the uh, little uh, SDR cube boots about, you know, the 20 amp or the 20-watt module, and I couldn't help but uh, wonder if you weren't using the penny whistle since it's such a, such a great little amp, you know, with right in the, uh, the input power range. But I can't help but wondering um, how many of those Tapper has left, if you're going to actually offer that or if you, there's going to be another production run or something, because I can't help but think that maybe they've only got 100 or so left in stock or less. Yeah, that's probably right. It's the second run. I don't want to share any of their details. I do know what they are. But it's not going to be a problem because, uh, uh, just because. So it's, it's not going to be a problem. This, this project can, this product can keep on going and going and going. It's an open hardware project, which means anybody can pick it up, such as somebody like me, maybe, if the, if the cube, if what I'm calling the power cube, the RF power cube, if that, uh, is an accessory that a lot of guys like uh, in the SDR cube ranks, then uh, then we'll be able to pick up that uh, whistle project. Yep, understood. Okay, well, thanks very much, George, and congratulations. And uh, definitely something I'll be uh, I'll be keenly interested in hearing more about. So, uh, with that, thanks once again for the session, and uh, we're going to call it a night. The snow's already started here. Well, I noticed about the, the snow that you said there, Bruce. Holy cow, I forgot that you're way up north. And, uh, yikes. <laughs> it's, we're not even looking at the snow down here yet in, uh, in Maryland. Although we've had it, it's not come back again. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah, Chuck, what's up? Chuck, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I look at this snow for you real quick. And they work on the Romeo Delta 100. HHF1. And they're made by Mitsubishi. And, uh, they're, um, if you want any other information on that amp and stuff, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you the information. It's going to be a kit that will be available. It's really, really neat. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, I, I definitely do want to know the information about it. So maybe shoot me an email, or have the URL or um, uh, such. Maybe just put it into the notes section down here on this forum, and we can capture it for, uh, for others to use as well. Okay, I'll do that. I'll make sure it's okay with the uh, designer for it before I turn it loose. But, but, um, but before I just go out wild. But um, it's it's. Mine was, I just got mine running out with the first one running and, uh, and, uh, you, I'm sure you know him and he's a very good builder, uh, designer. And, uh, he did a really wonderful job on this and, uh, I'm, you know, it'll put out, I would bet 106, um, and, uh, anyways, I'll, I'll shoot you an email and send you the, the, uh, the link and everything to it. Okay, thanks a lot, Chuck. Appreciate that whole bunch of Okay, good night. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. This was really a great idea. You did a, a great job. Good night. Thanks again. Good night, all. John CX uh, signing out. Okay, Joe. Thanks a lot. Uh, um, we'll, we'll talk to you.